Hello and welcome to Tokyo Inklings. My name is CY. You can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram and TikTok at tokyostationpens, and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh. And my name is Jacob. I am Foodafan on Instagram and on Twitter, and have a blog at foodafan.com. And this is episode 63. Hey, Jacob, we're in different time zones. Yeah, and you sound terrible. Yeah, I'm just still recovering from that COVID thing, you know. It's a terrible zero out of ten. Do not recommend. But that didn't stop you from flying across the globe. That's right. That's right. And we'll, we're going to talk a little bit about it、um, later on. Yeah. We've got quite a jam-packed episode today、yeah. for everybody. So I think we can just, you know, hop on right into it. We haven't done this segment in quite a while, but I think we, you know, we we got some new stuff. So、mm. let's talk a little bit about new acquisitions, Jacob. You you got something interesting or some things interesting that you received? Yeah, so I got a Hakase pen. A very generous individual gave me actually a Hakase pen, which was quite remarkable. Um, so I don't want to talk too much about my pen per se, but I wanted to talk a little bit about Hakase because it's one of those brands that you don't. Hear much about? Not even I would say not even if you are in Japan and you go to the various you know pen club meetups and pen shows that we go to. In fact, I would say I would say Hakase is more obscure here than Ohashido is, which is another one of those small pen makers, because you, at least you can go buy an Ohashido easily at one of those department store events here in around the, the Tokyo area. But that's not true with Hakase, but It's still those two brands are still similar. I would say they are similar in the sense that these are very small pen makers that have been around for close to a century, and、uh, they are like one or two person、uh, businesses, and they have a presumably small but a very loyal following.、Uh, Customer base, and that is what is has been sustaining them for, for almost a century. But the difference is that while Ohashido, or rather Mr. Uehara, he just makes whatever pens he feels like making in, when he wakes up in the morning. Hakase is a bespoke or、like、semi bespoke. Pen maker, have you have you had or have you got a chance to work on any maybe customer Hakase pens? Yeah, I actually have.、Um, one of our mutual acquaintances ordered several Hakase、uh, pens,、mm. and、um, I was asked to rework one of the the nibs on one of these. It takes notoriously a long time to order a Hakase, right? Yeah, so currently the lead time I think is fourteen months, and so now it's another three months if you order Urushi. So it's、uh, it's、mm. longer waiting time than if you, than if you order Bokumundo Urushi work.、Mm. Does he do it himself? For the Urushi, I'm not sure, but but the rest, I believe, I think there were two pen makers before. There were there was the.、Uh, The current owner of Hakase, I think, is his third generation. What's it, Yamamoto? I think his name is. 
the the the, like the third generation owner like a family business and then before there was this other guy called like harumi tanaka i think and he's the one who was in that semi-famous youtube movie about hakase i think that guy retired like a decade ago so i think there's now only one person mr yamamoto that is making everything what well, except for the the, the nib feed and converter yeah so Hakase is really known for these exotic and wild materials, right? I mean, some materials are illegal. Yeah, so the the range of materials is kind of interesting. It starts at like ebonite and like various kinds of wood, uh, and then you have at the more exotic end, you have like buffalo horn, you got ivory, and then in the past they had a tortoise shell, which was <laughs> which they stopped. Uh, offering a few years ago and that was i think i think there's a warning on the website saying that some of the materials and i think specifically mentions tortoiseshell cannot be imported um into the u.s yep yep and also like buffalo horn and stuff like that i, I think they had some ivory i want to say yeah exactly so 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 buffalo they're still offered to this day uh, ivory and buffalo horn so you can order that but there's still a warning on the website that some of the, some of the materials cannot be you may not be able to import some of these materials into your home country so so check with local <laughs> regulations before you order basically yeah yeah so what i wanted to say is that hakase is semi bespoke in the sense that they have a few kind of shapes you can choose whether you want like a a flat top there like i think that is long and short flat top or if you want a cigar shaped pen but then you have all kinds of customization options Uh, in addition to materials that we talked about you can choose what kind of trims you want if you want one of those fat like rings on like the barrel that that works as a roll stopper or if you want like like a a normal clip or one of those tiny clips or what else you want um and then uh, and then they ask you if you post your pen or not and depending on whether you want a postable pen or not that they change the design a bit but then the most interesting thing to me is uh is, is the nib because i'm not sure if you check their website but Hakase offers what they call a grade 15 and a grade 10 nib. So the one I have here is a grade 15. A grade 15 is just pilot size 15. In other words, it's the same size nib as in a pilot custom 823 or uh, 743. But the difference is that it's got a custom Hakase stamp. So not, not just a lace engraving, but a custom like a stamp. Um, but size 10 is more interesting because for size 10, you can choose whether you want pilot or sailor. And here's, here's where it's getting really interesting because in both cases, whether you, whether you choose pilot or sailor, you get 14K. So pilot is 14K, so presumably grade 15 pilot means, well, pilot size 10. So the same size nib as in, you know, custom heritage 912 or 742. But grade 10 Sailor is 14K. And it, there's not much information about that nib other than the fact that it's 14K. Sailor doesn't sell a nib that they themselves call grade 10, right? But Sailor does sell a nib that is exactly the same length as 
pilot site, and that is the ProGear nib. The ProGear nib and the Prophet 21 nib, what we call the large sailor nibs, they're exactly the same length or almost exactly the same length as pilot size 10. So this makes me wonder if it's perhaps possible that Hakase still today, still to this day, offer these large Sailor 14K nibs that we've been talking about that we wish that Sailor would bring back. Uh, maybe they were never gone, but maybe they were only offered in recent years through Hakase. Yeah, and, and also, um, also Ohashido has them, right? I think Ohashiro now has the small names. I could be wrong about that. Um, so that one I'm not sure about, but I've seen a number number of photos of Hakase pens with what clearly looks like large 14K nibs on, on Instagram. So I think we need to invest investigate this further, but uh, it, there seems to be a good chance that these nibs are currently offered. And this is what I think is so fascinating, that you have this pen maker that has very, very low production very slow production. I mean, they make, I think I read somewhere that make like t- 10 pence per month. So very, very small production. And yet they somehow managed to get both Pilot and Sailor to make custom nibs with custom, act- proper custom stamp, which doesn't seem like it would make any economic sense. So this would probably, just another example of these, you know, long-time relations that you also wrote about in your Wantry post that these pen makers, they offer these strange deals based on old relations rather than what makes business sense. And so these guys are um, in Tottori, but you wrote in your Instagram post, which, by the way, is a great source of information, that this... I mean, this is a third-generation business, and the the first generation is really, you know, from from the 30s, right? So, I mean, these guys started in what's modern-day China. Um, you know, there's some imperial past uh, there, but the, the these these people are have been in the business, maybe, you know, almost as long as Pilot and as long as Sailor themselves. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, that they get these nibs is probably due to that, you know, very long stand, almost one hundred year relationship. It, it's not that anybody can go and buy something like this um, mm. from the manufacturers. So, so it really does take that kind of a you know, long-term commitment to Sailor. And we're talking about, you know, 50 years above. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, and I think that's obviously one of the big advantages that Hakase has now. I mean, that's really what sets them apart from, say, um, Eboya or even Style Art. So both Eboya and Style Art, they make very beautiful pen bodies, but they are limited to, like, standard nibs. So in the case of Eboya, they just stick, like, a factory Bok nibs on it and Style Art beautiful pens but they don't they haven't been around so long that they have these relations so they have to buy i believe stock pilot pens and stick those nibs on it which you know if that's all all you have available then then that's a sensible option but it's clearly to hakase's advantage the fact that they have these strange um, deals that allows them to have custom nibs from both pilot and sailor yeah 
But um, these folks, I mean, you know, we're, we're going into the weeds of it now, but um, mm. you know, these folks actually also grind their own nibs uh, according to what the customer wants. Yeah, so if you look at the order form, it's really interesting. They ask you, they ask you uh, what angle you write at. They ask you what kind of pressure you write with. They ask you like what slant you have. They even ask you what kind of paper you write on. Do you write on like washi paper or like tetio paper or like letter writing paper? So they ask you all kinds of questions and even ask you to to shoot a video of you writing basically right and, and and to send a video to them so they think can so that, that they can customize the the nib or tune the nib accordingly yeah um so so i worked on one of the uh pilot i think it must be about 15 um nibs mm. I, I won't comment too much about the the nib grind itself but i do want to point out that it is very rare for a Japanese company to offer custom nib grinds from, you know, the the maker of the pen. I mean, as we've discussed on this podcast many, many times, you know, this is just not really a thing in Japan. So, so I was wondering, you know, wh- why they would offer this service. It turns out more than half of their customers are overseas. Yeah, that's also what sets them apart from uh, from Ohashiro because it's almost impossible to buy an Ohashiro from overseas unless you go from some like middleman. But you can buy, you can order an Hakase pen from overseas. They have an order form in in English, so it's all very. I mean, it's clearly it's obvious from the websites that they have and they are targeting overseas customers. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. What do you think about the? the worksmanship of these pens because these pens are notoriously expensive yeah they're not all expensive though i mean if you look at the the price like they have this like big table matrix on on their website cheapest one is or the most affordable one i'm not sure what to call it it's sixty thousand yen which is still like a fair amount of money for a fountain pen but it's not i mean you some some like regular sailor pro gears are in that price range nowadays right so that's not extreme by 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 today's standards but then it goes you then it can be more than over over half a million yen depending on you know what options if you want a large nib and if you want like a buffalo horn then it gets very expensive and so i only i mean the one i have is the one that i've ever seen ever used and i will say the the craftsmanship the, the fit and finish is just perfect it's 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 the ebonite is polished like you like it looks like urushi the threads are like silky smooth and it's hard to describe in words but but it's very satisfying to post it i have to show it to you when, when you when you get when you get back to japan but it's incredibly satisfying to post this pen and the nib just writes very well which nib did you get so this is a size 15 so basically or grade 15, they call it grade 15, but pilot size 15. Right, right, right. And it's a, I think it's the medium, it doesn't say on it. So, so, I, so I, again, I didn't order it myself. I, and and the, the pen I got didn't have any instructions. They have to go to, I had to go to the website and try to figure out which model I have. Right. <laughs> yeah. And um, speaking of the website, let's, let's end on this note. But if you're on the English version of the Hakase website, 
you know, has a story, and then, um, yeah, prologue, and then the second, um, you know, button on the menu, it's Supreme Quest. Yeah, the translation is a bit cryptic at times, um, <laughs> for sure. But at least there is a there's a English version, and you, you can click around a bit and figure out what it all means. Yeah, take some guessing. But but I think it's it's quite fitting that you know they have a section called Supreme Quest because for a lot of Japanese pen collectors, this owning a Hakase is the Supreme Quest. That's true. That's true. Yeah. All right, and, and then they have a real sepia ink as well, right? Yeah, which it's is actually like octopus. squid. Ink, which apparently, so I I saw a yeah, a review. I read a review by Macchiato man. He bought it a while back, yeah. and apparently it's 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 an expensive ink, and it smells like fish. <laughs> <laughs> What's it? Eighty dollars? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, around that. All right, so moving on, we got some new platinums. There is this um, annual Maruzen sale going on. Maybe it was already started while you were in Japan, but it's going on now. And normally these Maruzen sales aren't too interesting because they have these like no-name notebooks and um, like Parker ballpoints that haven't been sold. So they are selling them at 30% off. Um, but this time they had some Platinum 3776 pens in fact they had four of them in total and they were sold at 30 percent of the old retail price which was like ten thousand yen so so these were like a bit over seven thousand yen and they all four had coarse nibs and i bought all of them wow that's it's a good deal especially now it's it's harder and harder to find these platinum nibs on on like Mercari and Yahoo auctions, especially those larger nibs. Yeah, and I asked, I was a bit surprised that these were available and I asked, are these nibs not very popular? And the person that sold the pen said that platinum nibs are a bit more stiff than Pilot and Sailor nibs. And apparently the combination of like stiff and coarse is not very popular. At least that was the explanation. So. Right, 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 right. Even the, the, the 3776 is is you know one of the most popular pens it's just that stiff and broad exactly exactly so that that's that's all i had, had to say about that I, I was just very excited about getting them for this price and, <laughs> but i have a feeling that you you would have bought them if, if you were there <laughs> yeah, that that's fair that's fair i would have been very excited as well all right moving on i also got some uh new old stuff so as I was doing my my uh, research on Wancher and Watchmail, one of the resources that I was able to use is actually this studio called Senshudo. And I found them actually on Instagram. I think I saw an ad for them. And, um, you know, they, they were making some Urshi bowls or something. And I've been trying to you know, make a conscious effort to follow a few more Urushi artists or um, artisans, um, studios. Because I think most of the pen community now know, you know, Bokmondo. You know, it's a very big name in Urushi pen lovers. Um, 
world, I guess. But Pokemon though, she doesn't do all styles, and in particular, she doesn't do Machia. Yeah, but, she she refuses to do Machia. Yeah, she doesn't do Machia. So um, I I saw that they sent Shudo people, and I remember it was um it was some uh, business card holders. And on the bottom, it says, we take orders. I was like, okay, so I, I saved that for the future. One day, I was scrolling through their feed. And I saw that they had a ballpoint pen that was lacquered in um, Urshin Makie. And I remembered that they take orders. So I sent a DM to them. I said, Hey, do you do fountain pens as well? And I said, we've done fountain pens in the past. We can't say anything until we have the product in hand. So can you send us the product? So I, um, what I did was I kind of disassembled all the parts. I sent them the pen over um, without the nib. And they, they received the parts. And they said, <clears throat> they said, Oh yeah, we can probably do Makie on this, but it won't be uh, it won't be Wajima Urus uh, Wajima Nuri because Wajima Nuri is reserved for Urushi on wood, and so this is just Urushi uh, done in Wajima. Are you okay with that? You know, I don't really care what it's called. You know, that's I think more of like an ego thing. So I said, sure, go ahead. Um, do the exact same goldfish uh, motif that you have on the ballpoint pen because you know I, I've already seen it, so I know that they're quite good at it. And um, and they said okay. Now this is the difference between a you know person who's starting out and a an established studio who does lots and lots of custom work. So. They actually did um, tableware for the 34th G8 Summit in 2018. And so they're very, very, you know, established. They're very, very, you know, well regarded, I suppose. I started working on, um, on the pen and they said, can you please send us the nib because we're going to make the goldfish align with the nib. And that's a detail that, honestly, I didn't even think of. I was like, yeah, I'm just excited to get some goldfish maquillé. And, um, and I didn't really think about the alignment. And that's the care and attention that a real professional studio asks. And that was, that was shocking to me. And so I sent them the nib, and, um, and, and they, they, you know, they sent it back to me. And of course, the pen is fantastic. You can see photos on my Instagram profile, uh, on my Instagram feed. It's it's spectacular because the Machia, it's it's not just a single color. There's actually somehow some transparency in these goldfish. And if you see goldfish in real life, they're they're you know not exactly opaque creatures. So the level of detailing. The scales, the 
there's also like some small rotten pieces to to show like uh like water it's incredible this piece and they they topped off the the pen oh the pen i sent was a mont blanc 149 they topped it off with a gold maquier um mont blanc star and so i just thought these people were, were real professionals now i want to spend a little bit of time actually talking about the pro the ordering process and um and the the way that they actually operate so in order to order i, I sent them a dm on instagram but they said can you please email us so i guess it's for record keeping purposes but i was in contact with a, a man called um uh mr uh okazaki which is funny because that's the same surname as taizo but um the the studio is actually called okazaki shikiten and okazaki-san he is the um nushia so he's in a in a more i guess um horse riding kind of uh, scenario this person would be considered the stable master and it's my understanding that uh okage-san actually doesn't do um any ushi application instead when i asked him hey is this possible is that possible he would always say let me um speak to a few artisans so it was never let me speak to one artisan. It was, let me speak to my different artisans to see what they can do. And the reason why that is, is because in Wajimarushi, you don't have one person doing the entire pen like the way Hiroko does, right? Like the way Pokemondo does. They actually have people who do the the sanding of the of the base product, have people who just apply black they have makia artists they have people who do the top layers they have people who who polish so when you ask is this possible it's just it's not just one person making the decision it's like seven people and that's the kind of division of labor that i think really makes that individual artisan just an absolute pro at that individual aspect that they're doing but as a result you don't have a, or at least mine and i didn't request this but mine doesn't have the signature of um of any particular artisan next time i do uh business with them i'll probably ask for a group signature but this pen the process it took about two months it was about a thousand dollars which is not bad at all considering what you get um but yeah this this ordering process you know next time uh, i work with them i'm definitely going to go back and i think i'd like to go visit them in wajima as well i have a friend who's gone to wajima a few times now and she says you know just lots of studios um so i, I definitely want to go in person to to thank them and also to you know see if we can do more business together in the future so is this the studio that you, that you think would accept orders from overseas? Is there any chance for our listeners not in Japan to, to order from this studio? So I believe their website even is in... I mean, there is an English version, I want to say. Um, uh, or, or maybe not, maybe not. But 
if you use a translating service maybe but they are on instagram so um yeah i'm looking at their their store right now it doesn't seem like they're opposed to ordering um uh, or orders from overseas i do remember that they did have ah here you go oh, okay so they can't ship overseas but if you have like a black ship or something maybe you'd be able to have them ship to a domestic address however you do need a, a deep level of japanese to communicate with okagaki-san because you know the, the the kind of detail in the questions that they ask it's not just do you want raden on the pen you know it's it's much more specific than that it's even hey where do you want to place that picture how do you want the rotations to be that kind of uh, depth of questioning might be challenging but yeah I, I think because they do have some international experience um i would the way i did it was i just took something from instagram i said just do this yeah but but that, that's probably a good way to start and i mean that's always was one of the reasons why 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 Hiroko like insists that first time customers choose something from her feed because that avoids any like for for some reason like, like details can get lost in translation expectations and so on. It's much easier if you have something that you can just well you do again. Yeah, right? absolutely. But then another question I have is method of payment because given your description of this um workshop studio i i would assume that this is like traditional like uh, furikomi bank transfer so you can either pay by furikomi or credit card oh, okay yeah so so they have an online website and and they actually sell um the majority of the, the things that they sell are like uh business card holders um you know coat hangers they do a lot of umbrellas bowls uh, but because I ordered directly, they actually sent me an invoice where I could pay with credit card. Mm. Yeah. So no shipments outside of Japan, but maybe you can get a black ship. All right. On to pen news. I've been away. So take us take us away. Yeah. So as I said, I, w- I went to um, to Marazan to buy these platinums with course names, right? And when I... And the person, the the staff, sales staff at the time was Shishikura-san, like this pen doctor that's probably most known us outside Japan for the sparkly sailors. But as we have said before, I believe she occasionally works at Marazen, right? Um, so I I talked to her and I ended up asking her about you know her pens and if she was planning to do any more models in the future. And she said, yeah, she, she's working on two models. That are going both are going to be released this autumn. I think she even said September. And um, if you remember last year, last year she, there were two Shishikura pens. One was sold by her herself, and the other one was sold through Marzen at the autumn event, right? Remember that? Yeah. So um, I I asked them also as well. I think they said September, um, but. Last year, they, they had a funky method where, um, I mean, 
there's Marizans everywhere, but for the big ones with the fountain pen section, there are two main ones in Tokyo. And this event was a simultaneous event at you know, these two locations. You can only buy one pen from each location. I remember that. Yeah, you, you have to run back and forth. <laughs> yeah, so that was a bit funky. Same story this year that she's working on two pens. One is going to be a purple one that she's going to sell herself. She actually gave me more details, but unfortunately I forgot about it. I need to go back and ask again. But the other one, she said, is going to be a yellow one that's going to be sold through Marizens. In other words, she all, all but confirmed that there is going to be a Marizen event this autumn. And the reason why the pen is yellow is because it's, of course, a lemon-themed pen. So this is going to be Marizen's maybe first uh, lemon sailor pen. Yeah, that's quite interesting because traditionally these lemon pens have been made by Pilot, but mm. they also commissioned, I think, a must have been a um, lower quality pen that you can get, like, you know, those things you can get from magazines, the Lapita pens. Yeah, there was one very recently that's also still today, I think, sold at, at Mars. It was like 500 yen, and like, mini lemon, I believe. Which, yeah, yeah it, it looks like one of those lemon pens, but it's obviously... Uh, like some IPG nib and whatever, yeah. But but the but the pilot, I think the, the pilot made lemon pens. I think there have been at least three of them so far. They always sell out very fast, and now they are very expensive on second-hand markets. So uh, maybe they, I suspect this could be one of the fastest-selling Shishikura uh, pens so yeah, far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think yeah, that would be very interesting. Yes. The other news, so I talked earlier this year about how it's going to be another Wagner pen this year, which I mean, to no one's surprise, but I couldn't really say anything more about what a pen is going to look like because I, I promised not to do that. But yesterday, um, Morrison wrote, did a blog post where he put some details, I guess it's now the embargo is lifted. So the this year's Wagner platinum pen is going to be a slightly off-white kind of ivory color not real ivory as in hakase but an ivory color um matte sandblasted uh pen with like knees finish so with this knees grooves or shaper cut or whatever it's called um but more interestingly the trims are going to be black so ruthenium plated so you're gonna have a white pen with ruthenium plated trims and ruthenium plated nib and apparently this routine plating is the main reason why the pen has been delayed because it was meant to be, be available for the spring events and now it's been like three or four months uh, since then and apparently it's also it's related to war in ukraine somehow the, the import of uh, ruthenium has been disrupted because of that um war okay so so it's going to be available now next next month and then there was one more pen that he talked about. So, and it's going to be the anniversary pen for the fourth anniversary of Morrison's pen clinic. Um, and this is going to be a platinum precedent. You know, they supposedly discontinued platinum precedent. And, and it's going to be a translucent platinum precedent. I don't, I don't actually know which color is going to be a translucent platinum precedent and it's going to come with the two nibs one is just a medium the other one is a coarse nib okay okay that's not common in the platinum presidents 
Definitely not. And he wrote on his website that um, I expect the course nibs to get sold out pretty fast, but I'm opening up for pre-orders now, only for Wagner members. So email me if you want any course nibs. So I, I emailed him the moment I saw that. So I already have pre-ordered two <laughs> course nibs. Oh, I'm sure you did. And when I did that, he, he replied and he gave some more details about that pen. Let's just say that these are not going to be just plain coarse nibs. They're going to come with a nib grind. And I can't say who, who's going to do the grinds, but I think you can guess based on recent history. <laughs> yeah. So how much are, are they? I don't know. I, I don't know what the price is. I don't know what the color is, but I pre-ordered anyway. All right. All right. Maybe I got to pre-order some as well. <laughs> Probably have to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, next, uh, is a an I don't know what to to really make of this I suppose but um I thought it was pretty funny so we had Frank from Narwhal on uh, a few episodes ago I think you know almost uh, two or three months ago and um at the time they were embroiled in in scandal I suppose with um with uh, Twisby. But since then, they, they've, they've kind of settled down and they had the joint statement that we were talking about. However, a few days ago, uh, I saw this, this post on Reddit or something and, and I sent it to you and I said, Hey, Narwhal is changing their name. So I'm not even going to try to say this name. Can, can, you, can you say it? My Icelandic <laughs> Navalur, I don't know. Yeah, so so that's my my best guess as well, like Navalur. Um, but I heard that it's going to be still pronounced Narwhal. I I, I don't know Navalur. Nar- I don't know whatever. But let me read out the the statement that they put out. It says, meet Navalur. Narwhal Pens officially entering a transition period for a brand name from Narwhal Pens to Navalur today. Navalur, the Icelandic orthography of Narwhal, embodies the origins of Narwhals who live around the Arctic waters near Iceland year-round. This rebranding effort is in light of legal translations for trademark registration, since Narwhal is not unique enough to be trademarked for Narwhal pens. This rebranding will also allow us to optimize search engine results, allowing pen enthusiasts to better discover hashtag Navalar. What do you think? It makes sense that they may want to change the name for more SEO juice or to have a more unique name i mean i i did go to that trademark database and i found like a handful of other narwhal trademarks some of them were like outdoor brands and, and dressed i can't remember so that makes sense what what surprises me is the timing so is this is it just a coincidence that it's happened shortly after the twisted settlement and if we just in that case it's kind of unfortunate i think 
for Narwhal because they came out sort of on top. They they seemingly won that, right? If you will, because they celebrated that settlement. They put it out on Instagram. They sent it to the retailers. It was the first thing you saw when they went to the website. They were clearly happy about that. So if you don't have any more information, and we and we don't have any more. At least I don't have any more information about you know the background for you know this now or the timing. It kind of seems like this is part of some concession, some something they agreed to do. So, um, I'm. I don't think it's a concession, but I, I do think that you know Narwhal is probably. I mean, the pen community it might be very easy to, to understand, but yeah, I think just. I I think there's not much more to the story, um, beyond what's written on there and i remember at first when i sent it to you and you, you can check your calendars if it's april 1st um so i actually saw frank a few days ago and i and you know i said hi and then i said is it true that those are the only three words that i said and he said yes it's true we're changing our name um and i think yeah, I said the timing might be a bit unfortunate. I think there there might be a few different aspects involved, but I think they want to take it to the next level, right? They they've been Narwhal pens for a while, um, but they've never trademarked their brand. I think they want to take it to the next level, and they want to evolve into a more serious company. And then when they tried to do that, they realized the the name that they picked in the beginning, you know, wasn't. Uh, wasn't going to work out for them in in that registration so um you know less people speak icelandic might be easier to to get a trademark yeah but it might be more difficult to to pronounce um i said a joking to you i i think they should now go all in and rename their models after like icelandic volcanoes which are like near impossible to pronounce if you don't understand <laughs> icelandic i, I remember Fairly recently, there was there was like some some volcano was in the news, at least in in Europe because like some Icelandic volcano uh, erupted and it's like a big plume of smoke and that disrupted air traffic, so all the news was covering this and and all the news outlets they were equally struggling to pronounce the name of that volcano. I I sent you let me send this this to you again over over line. Yeah, I'm not gonna try to read that. <laughs> so if you if you press the play button there and hear the, the proper Icelandic pronunciation, so I think that that should be the the next model name. I'll bring it. I'll, I'll bring it to Frank. You should do that. You should do that. Yeah, yeah. It's, but it's it's an unusual choice. Uh, well, the, the timing is. I would think I think it's unfortunate because I think they got a lot of SEO juice from the from this drama and and the fact that they they seemingly won. I think there's been more Google searches for Narwhal in like the last few months than before. So it's it's not 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 the best time to change the name, but maybe it's maybe it's the best choice in the end. Who knows? Yeah. Um, the next topic, I don't really want to spend too long. I just thought it was kind of a funny thing. But we've talked about how Tono Limbs is, you know, just pumping up new inks. 
Now, this is a kind of, I think, a lost in translation thing. But they, they've come out now with a new series. And when I saw that, I, I, you know, I was kind of taken aback. So this new series is called Happy Ending. And um, maybe they don't know the, the euphemism behind Happy Ending. <laughs> but I think these inks are actually quite nice. Uh, they have happy ending um, grape, I think. They have, uh, yeah, just a bunch of different happy endings. Um, happy ending licorice, uh, happy ending peach, which sounds really dirty. <laughs> happy ending lime. So, so they've got these four happy ending inks, and this is a, a classic, um, you know lost in translation thing. Uh, but these are all exclusive inks for their partners. And actually the, the Happy Ending Grape looks pretty good. But um, I'll never buy it because I don't want to, I don't need a Happy Ending ink. How did you even hear about it? Oh, there's also, there's also Happy Ending Soda. Um, Yes. So I heard about it basically just through the Instagram algorithm, I guess. Yeah, the feed is becoming more and more algorithmic. You, you don't get to decide what to see, right? Yeah, and it just popped up. And, you know, as I said, I, I took a double take. I'm like, what are they calling the sink? Um, but yeah, it's uh, some dirty names there. Who knows? Maybe it's intentional. You never know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so having the happy ending inks out of the way... Uh, you put in a note in the show notes. Why Sun Zentoma River is different? Yeah, so this is yes yeah, so a short thing uh, that I discovered today. So I um, we have of course covered this Sun Zentoma River S extensively, and we have talked about how the paper is like, slightly different than Tomogawa's Toma River. It's a little bit thicker and it's slightly like stiffer, or has a different feel to it. And um, it turns out that that is not like an accidental, like unwanted like side effect from just moving production to another machine. It is very much intentional. And the reason why I'm saying that is that I watched um, I, I watched a, an, an Instagram live by Yamamoto Paper earlier today. And so there was an announcement of some new products, including a Sunset paper pad and some other stuff. And they ended up talking a little bit about the history of Tomo River and talked about how Tomogawa was looking to outsource. They were, they were talking to various contractors and then time was running out. So they did the Sunsen deal instead. And then Sunsen decided that they wanted to tweak. They wanted to come up with their own like recipe, their own formula, if you will. And specifically, they wanted to solve one problem with Tomo River. And that is that... Um, well, so one of the most popular pens in Japan, and we covered that recently, is Pilot's Friction, right? So Pilot's Friction pens with erasable ink are almost ubiquitous in Japan. You can go to any of your convenience stores around the corner, you're going to find a selection of friction pens. And it turns out that the friction pens are also very popular um, among people who use planners. So people use the friction pens to write in planners, which makes sense, right? Because, you know, plans change right so so you you erase and you, and you you write something new in your your planner 
the problem with Tomo River is apparently that you know as you erase the ink with your friction pen, then the Tomo River paper gets all like crinkly and warped and messy, and that is the exact problem that they wanted to solve. So the reason why Sunsense paper is slightly thicker, slightly stiffer, is that they wanted to make it more pilot friction friendly. Yeah, that's a very um, specific issue. I think I understand why, but I feel like it's not as good of a paper for, you know, um, fountain pen users anymore. But maybe they'll come up with uh, with uh, 68 GSM. But it's not as, as a niche like, uh, feature as you might think, because we have also covered recently uh, Kokuyo's Jibun Techo planner, which is a very popular planner in Japan, right? And Kokuyo... And not very good for fountain pens. <laughs> you could say that. Uh, Kokuyo replaced... like They switched from Tomoe River to their own internally developed paper called Thin Paper a few years ago. And if you go to the product page on Kokuyo's website for Thin Paper, they specifically say... They specifically say that thin paper is better than Tomo River for friction pens. So, so apparently this is a very big deal using pilot friction pens with planners. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is. And, you know, these friction pens, as you said, are, are very popular. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised that, that they did it. Um, but, yeah, I, I do think that it's a bit sad. For me. For fountain pen users, yeah, it, it's not. I mean, yeah. Well, in the case of Tomo River S, yeah, I still think it's a very good paper. In fact, I, I prefer it over Tomogawa's paper. But yeah, it, it's not it's not optimized for fountain pens. You can argue that was that more of a like happy accident, maybe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. All right, and um, almost coming on to our, our last topic. So, if the listeners didn't know, um, I alluded to it earlier but i'm actually right now in the dc area i'm attending the dc pen show uh as a vendor and so maybe we'll talk a little bit about that but getting here and i'm sorry this is going to turn into like a personal blog but getting here was a disaster so flew air canada um and had transit in toronto so little did i know that Air Canada has been cancelling 60% of their flights. So I land in Toronto. And they said, Sir, your flight is cancelled. We're booking you uh, for tomorrow with a different airline. And so long story short, they lost my baggage. And here I was. I was like, well, what am I going to do? All the things I was going to sell are, are in my in my baggage. Uh, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Hours uh, until I had to just go down into the into the baggage claim and get my own bags, but luckily I'm at the show now. It's been two days so far, um, great days. Uh, I think one thing that I want to highlight first is just how different, in terms of like the organization, the DC Pen Show and the Tokyo Show is. So I also booked the Tokyo Show. Um, for later this fall and a few weeks ago they sent us this uh, handbook this show guidebook it's like 70 pages long they sent this book to us 
and they call a two-hour vendor meeting. It's like, oh, it must be an important meeting. So I read through the guidebook, and um, and then I attend the meeting. So it turns out uh, they wanted to do what they call yomiyawase, which is they wanted to read the guidebook together. So we started reading the guidebook line by line together. And I was like, I already read this guidebook because you sent it to us. But anyways, um, so that's the Japanese way. The the sequential way is that um, I didn't know where my tables were. And uh, Thursday apparently is kind of like a free-for-all. You can just you know set up shop wherever you want. But um, but on Thursday, I finally found out where I was going to be assigned on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I went over, set up, and then Friday morning when I wake up, turns out I've been moved. Uh, and the new location is actually a better location for me. But it's it's all really play it by ear. You know, people don't really know what's going on. Um, I didn't have power for the first hour. <laughs> And so I, I found it very, very funny, the, the contrast between, you know, the Tokyo show and the DC show. I think probably in the middle is something of a happy medium. But there, what surprised me about the DC show is actually not the number of uh, visitors. I think the number of visitors are, are quite tame. I, I personally expected it to be a lot busier. Um yeah, it wasn't so, so busy. But there were hundreds of vendors, like almost 400 vendors, upwards of 300s. And there's so many, so many vendors coming from Europe. Heard a lot of French, a lot of Italian, Turkey, you know. And that really was um, was eye-opening. Yeah, I think both Tokyo and DC claim to be the world's biggest pen show, but they use different metrics. I think Tokyo uses attendees and DC probably uses like vendors. Yeah, but there were a huge number of vendors. And um and uh, yeah, ten nib grinders there at the show. People walk up to me and they say, Do you have availabilities for today? And I'm sure it's the same with all the other vendor, uh, all the other grinders. You know, absolutely not. You know, might have some slots on Sunday, but the main main show days are just fully booked out, fully booked out. Even with with ten ten nip grinders, whereas at the Tokyo show you can walk in and and sit down with Nagahara without an appointment. Although increasingly that that's not not the case, but yeah, that was the case early on, and now he's become very popular. Right. But even at the at the Osaka pen show, I mean, Alessa just walked in and and she had an immediate uh, availability. Mm. Yeah. So, um, you know, hopefully we, we do grow that that community. But I did think it was interesting to to point that out. Mm. Um, another thing that I wanted to to talk about is that this show. I mean, I knew this before, but you know, being at the show really um, kind of reinforced. This uh, this show, obviously, I mostly have Japanese products, but they actually 
um, the attendees of this show are, are much more vintage focused. They're much more major European brand focused. And I think that's why you have so many Europeans coming. I had Bokmondo stuff on my... T- I still have Bokmondo stuff on my table. That's surprising. Um, I have Shishkuras laid out. And maybe maybe two people have have touched them. Um, you know, the these Ankora pens that are, are so popular, that, that we know are so popular, um, you know, haven't been getting a lot of attention at all. So... Um, to me, what was interesting is that the contrast between, I think, what we know and the people who try to contact us for stuff, and there's this greater world out there, which is, you know, obviously this show is still quite big, but more focused on either custom makers, uh, which is downstairs I haven't been, um, or just the, the big major European brands. So when you talk about vintage, are you talking about mostly like Western vintage, or do you, is this a pen show where you can find like a Barnet pen or some old pilot release? No, absolutely not. I mean, I have a Athena safety pen from the thirties, very vintage. Nobody knows what Athena pen is, right? And um, I had one uh, Japanese collector come. And you know they got really excited about it, and then they bought two of my jumbo pens, uh, which weren't working. But other than that, yeah, not a lot of. Um, uh, I think because the Athena pen looks just like you know a black pen from the outside, um, it's it's definitely less attention, and I think there's there's definitely more of a European focus on this show. So I guess your audience. It's probably in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I did, I did, uh, I am in a few Discord communities and, and, you know, I said, yeah, I have two shishikuras out on the table. Uh, and people are like, I can't believe it's not been sold. And I, and I do think, you know, San Francisco is probably more of the audience for that, more more Japanese, more modern pens. Um, but that's all right. It's uh, it, I think it, it's interesting, and I'm not worried about selling these pens in general, right? So, some of the Japanese vendors we talked about talked to at Tips, they are going. If there's one U.S. pen show they go to, it's San Francisco because I mean I guess it's shorter, but I don't think that's the reason. I think the reason is that, that that's probably where where they expect the, the customers to be. And and if you remember, some of those vendors said that. San Francisco, the people who go to San Francisco in particular, they tend to, to, to buy a lot. Yeah, so at least Bunga Box, Yamamoto Paper, Toyoka Craft, um, myself, we are what I know to be the Japanese delegation going to San Francisco. And yeah, I mean, I haven't been yet, but I think even by the next time we record, I, won't, I wouldn't have been there. I'll be back in Japan. Um, to talk about the the SF pen show, but it is quite interesting, and you know, uh, I think at SF, these Bokmondo is not going to last. But I was also grinding and selling at the same time, and now I kind of regret not getting two tables. I only got one table. The merchandise takes up a lot of space, a lot, a lot of space. So, so I think next time I do something like that, I probably want two tables rather than one because it was just not enough um, 
space to display everything, especially the inks. Um, and I think, yeah, for the inks that I have, uh, because they are pretty expensive because they're all, you know, those Gotochi inks, which actually cost us a lot of money to get as well. You know, it's not just the price tag. It's actually the price of, you know, going to the store in like, you know, Tottori or like um, Hokkaido or wherever it is. And then shipping them across the globe. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, you know, they're, they're pretty expensive inks. And I think unless you know what they are, you know, it, it, it does sound outrageous that a sailor ink is $50, right? But, you know, if you know what it is, you know that $50 is probably a fair price for it. So um, I think at the show, probably much, again, much more European there. One thing that was quite interesting that I want to talk about is um, Esterbrook invited me to be on one of their events called Nib Wars. I saw something about that. It was like you and Pendrealm and, and two more, right? Yeah, so the, the contestants were myself, Penrealm, uh, Annabelle from Apple Boom, and um, uh, Joshua Lax from JJ Lax Pen Company. He's up in New York. And um, yeah, this happened last night. Uh, it was a blast. It was a lot of fun. I uh, really thank Esterbrook for, for hosting and you know, organizing this. Uh, we weren't really told what we were going to do at the Nib Wars, um, but they had a few scenarios first. They said, you know, grind um, your interpretation of what you think somebody would write a love letter with, right, or, or something like this. So with three rounds, um, ultimately, uh, JJ Lax won the competition. So congratulations to Joshua. Uh, really well deserved he was the only one that came dressed as a jedi so i think there are some brownie points to be awarded <laughs> there as well five points for sure yeah. yeah even had the the lightsaber that i'll be building in a few weeks um but yeah definitely super awesome you know thank you to Esterbrook. it was a full house there's an instagram live so you can probably catch that on igtv um yeah, it was, was a lot of fun. I think there's some controversy about whether this should or should not be a competition. Um, but, you know, I think especially, at least for me, I took it not very seriously. I didn't really care if we won or, or, or lost. And, you know, the, the judges were very nice. They gave us, you know, the lowest score they gave us was 8 out of 10, which is pretty good, right? Um, so... I think it was, in general, uh, a good event. The logistics could probably have been better, but still, I think Nib Wars, uh, really fun. So, uh, yeah, I did want to take the time to shout out Cat, um, uh, Inky Cat Writes, um, Katie from A Year in Color. Uh, thank you for hosting. Thank you for the Esterbrook team for organizing. Um, Carrie, Barry, and, oh, I just realized that rhymes. Uh, Carrie, Barry, and Aziza for judging, and obviously all the audience for for coming in, tuning in. Um, yeah, it was it was good fun. And oh, so they're raffling they're raffling off the nibs that we make, and um, all of the proceeds from this raffle will go to support uh, um, the Ukrainian effort in resisting occupation. So oh, that's very nice. Um, not only yeah, not only are the um, proceeds donated 
Estabrook, you know, Kenro Industries, they will match dollar for dollar that donation. So, yeah, I don't know who's hearing it by Sunday afternoon, but you know, I think this is a it's, it's a great idea, great initiative. I really appreciate it. So thanks a lot. Yeah, so that sounded like like a lot of fun and well organized. Um, I wanted to go back. Well organized was not the word I would have used. Okay. But I mean, specifically the, the, the Nib Wars thing, like the, the event within yeah. the, the pen show. No, yeah, I know. I know. Uh, the well-organized was not the word I would have used for that okay. either. Okay. <laughs> but so going back to your Nib grinding, I have a two-part question. Uh, what kind of Nib grind were people asking for? And how many times did you hear the term Togi grind? I heard Togi grind once. Um, but that is the most popular uh, popular grind that... Uh, people have been asking me for doing quite a lot of mini naginadas um yeah I, I thought i would have less time but you know i've been able to do even two or three pens in one 30 minute slot so far and yeah it's it's actually a lot more grinding than than i expected i didn't expect to be fully booked because you know i'm kind of an unknown quantity right the first time i've been here but overall really really positive um, yeah, a lot of a lot of Nagina grinds. I think people who who are here they they have all the grinds already, right? So, you know, they're really just trying for something new, and not everybody does these Nagina grinds. Would you say that all of the people who went to your table to get a nib grind knew you knew you from you know from the podcast or from Instagram or whatever, or if not? If they didn't know you from before, what, what do you think was the reason why they chose a Naginato Togi grind from you? Yeah, so so definitely I would say 70% of people um, knew who I was, which was kind of funny because, you know, we've been on the the live shows with, you know, our faces on the camera. So they knew what I looked like, but I have no idea what these people look like. And sometimes people like, I'm just going to take a generic name, right? They'll be like, hi, I'm John. And I'll be like, well which one is John, <laughs> you know, what, what's your Instagram handle? And so that, that was pretty funny. Um, and, you know, it was great to meet um, all the listeners. A lot of people told me, hey, they, they listen to the podcast religiously. Um, they listen to every time it comes out. And that was really, that was really nice. Um, I have my mother helping me out and, and she was surprised that, you know, there's so many podcast listeners and they just recognize you and, you know, they come and say hi, which, which is really, really yeah, that was very nice. Um, and, you know, they had a lot of nice things to say about the podcast. Um, but, yeah, I think the only criticism was they wanted it to be a weekly show. And, uh, you know, they wanted us to do more of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I, I, I said, yeah, maybe not right now. Um, right. But, you know, who knows in the future? Maybe when we're, we're retired in 40 years. Something like that, yeah. yeah. But, but um. But yeah, it was it was quite nice. And then the others who who didn't know who I was, um, you know, first of all, I was set up on Thursday. Most nib grinders weren't, and so people who walked around, they they said, "Hey, do you have a you know available spot today?" And a lot of times the answer was no, because I had been booked out just weeks before, and um, and. I did ask some people who, who weren't listening to the podcast and who didn't know who I was, you know, how did you find me? And they said, well, you know, just on the DC Pen Show website, you know, there, there was a link to, to my website. And then 
that's where they were able to to you know find me on Instagram or and you know make an appointment. And there were also some walk-ins who who asked you know are there any availabilities for you know this afternoon? Again, very difficult, but I think all the grinders you know have all their slots filled up already. So yeah. Some people just were, I guess, trying to find, you know, that last person who might have the miracle slot. Um, I'll still have slots on Sunday. My Sunday is relatively free. But, yeah, I do expect that to be a slower day. But so for these people who did know you from before and they asked you for a Naginata Togi grind, would you say that is because you sort of, you, you suggested that or because you were advertising that or, or because that is becoming a popular grind in general? Um, a lot of people said, hey, I read your blog post about it. Um, I heard you talking about it on the show. Um, so I'd like to try one. And I think that's how most of the people um, come to me for 99 grinds. There are a few um, Chinese people who, who ask for 99 grinds to write Chinese with. Um, but yeah, that sure. was more rare. Mm. <clears throat> yeah. But again, most of these people have all sorts of different grinds already. So... They just want to try something new. One more question about DC, not related to grinding, but what, what kind of what kind of COVID protocols did they have, and how did that, how was that different from Tokyo? Oh, um, I would say only ten percent of people are masked. Oh, me being wow. one of the ten percent. Um, but yeah, it's mask optional. Some people wear masks, some people don't. There's not much protocol, not much hand sanitizing. Yeah, I mean. Basically, it's like the pandemic's over here. That must be a bit of a difference coming from Japan, where you you can't really be indoors without both hand sanitizer and a mask. Yeah, yeah, and I'm glad that I got COVID a few weeks ago instead of you know now. Um, that would have been a disaster. But yeah, I, I imagine I would feel uncomfortable be, being in a situation like that where. Oh, yeah, yeah. thousands of people unmasked mm. in a pretty cramped ballroom COVID protocols aside it sounds like and even though they were perhaps a bit disorganized it sounds like you had a lot of fun and, and met some people that um for, for the first time that you've only been only known online right yeah and and that that's definitely a surreal experience um it, it is very cool uh, as of the recording time i'll have two more days uh at the show but you know it's been it's been good so far um all I want is for people to buy more of my pens. <laughs> I'm sure you you won't have a single pen left after San Francisco. Fingers crossed. But um, but yeah, uh, I'm actually quite busy here in the U.S. I'm here for for four weeks, five weeks. So I have DC this weekend. Next weekend I'm going to Drum Ghouls. Uh, the weekend after I'm going to New York, uh, and then the weekend after that I'm going to San Francisco. So. Drongools won't have a sign-up sheet. Um, it's kind of, you know, walk-in, first-come, first-served. Uh, Yoseka, I'm already booked out, and that caught me by surprise because I was booked out in, like, five hours-ish. You know, it opened up that evening, and then the next morning I woke up, and it was already full. So that was a, that was a surprise. I believe I'll also be at Fountain Pen Hospital on that Saturday. Uh, and then, yeah, we have San Francisco, which I haven't opened up um, signups yet. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a busy, busy summer for CY. Yeah, but that's good. That's good. I'm, I'm, it sounds like you're having fun as well. So then, did you say you're coming back in September? 
Yeah, I'll be flying on September 1st. Nice, nice. So I might even be able to match your Tokyo time zone because you wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. So I can, you know, record earlier. We can even have, you know, quote unquote lunch, as you say, at 10.30. Yeah, sounds, sounds perfect. Sounds perfect, yeah. <laughs> sounds good to me. All right. Um, so last piece of news, which is uh, very good news, uh, is that Pelican Hubs is back. Yeah, I, I saw that. It's, it's definitely a, a pleasant surprise. Um, I think I've been to two or three Pelican Hubs here in Tokyo so far. The first one I went to was in 2018. And that's, that's the first time I met uh, Kue, actually. Uh, it was before we had much of a much of a pen group here. And it's been fun at Pelican Hubs every time. And we missed Pelican Hubs just like we missed that Itoya Inc. event. So it's we're happy that it is back. Yeah, and um, it's cool because uh, there are so many locations that were confirmed just after 24 hours. Yeah. I remember when I sent you the link, I think only like an Indian city was confirmed, but that was exactly. like you know, two exactly. minutes afterwards. But Tokyo has now been confirmed. None of us need to be hub masters. It's okay. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think it's going to be a blast. It's going to be fun to see people who you know we haven't seen in a long time, who only go to the Pelican Hubs. But, um, yeah, because it's actually yeah. I always found that interesting. It's a slightly different community. Like I, again, I've been I think I've been to like three Pelican Hubs here, and like half of those people at Pelican Hubs are not like at any other event. Well, I've never seen them at any other events here in Tokyo, whether that's like yeah. Wagner or Tokyo Pen Show or Tony Davis or whatever. So yeah, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Pelican Hubs. Uh, I think it's going to be lots and lots of fun. I think um, we're gonna, you know, have a blast, and I'm looking forward to to this year's Inc. Uh, I think that's always a, a highlight. And last time we had some bingo, the the hubmaster was really really good. So yeah, hopefully we'll, you know, have the same hubmaster. And even if it's not the same hubmaster, I'm sure it's gonna be great. Pelican Hubs is really one of the, the, the few things that manufacturers do for us, right? So, or rather we do for ourselves and do marketing for them. But it's nice to have a, um, a manufacturer kind of led um, event. I think that's really nice. Yeah, and it must take a lot of effort to organize. I'm sure it's not, it, I'm sure it's expensive to, I mean, there's a lot of bottles of ink that they're going to give out as well, right? Yeah, yeah. But... It's going to be fun. Um, I'm looking forward to it. And yeah, I know everybody else is too. Yep. All right. So I think that brings us to the end of the episode. If you liked it, please share it with your friends, share it with your family members, you know, blast it on on the speaker when you wake up. I, I heard people say that um, they like to listen to it while they're cooking, um, you know, like listen to it while they're mowing the lawn. So keep doing that. Maybe, you know, take take a large speakerphone outside when you're mowing your lawn so your neighbors can hear it too. I'm just kidding. Don't get in trouble. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, do help us share the word. It, it really helps, especially when um, you talk about us on social media. You talk about us on forums like Reddit, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, mm. you know, wherever you you communicate, you know, Discord, Slack, wherever you connect with, with pen fans. It's always really helpful. Um, we're looking, recruiting for, for listener questions. Um, we don't know when we're going to 
answer all of them yet, but you know we, we've been low on questions recently, so definitely check out our website, um, ask us a question uh, over there. It's a Google Forms, so pretty easy. And if you've you know if you've uh, been listening up to now, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, if you're at the the DC Pen shows, if you're in Houston. Um, New York, San Francisco, come say hi. Um, you know, be more than happy to to meet you, and um, yeah, would love to to you know have a chat and get to know you guys more. Jacob, anything else? No, that's that's pretty much it. it it's been an unusually long episode, so let's end it here. All right. So thank you, everybody. Um, this has been episode sixty three. Uh, my name is CY. You can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram and TikTok at tokyostationpens, and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh. And my name is Jacob. I'm a fan on Instagram and on Twitter, and have a blog at foodafan.com. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.